I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? Could you do me a huge favor and go and check out the show's sponsor at monkeygrips.com? That's monkey with two E's. And give them a follow on Instagram at monkeygrip2 as well. They make these awesome rope grips that you can hang from a pull-up bar. And you can do your pull-ups on there and max out your pull-ups, max out your dead hangs. And then you can take them off of there real quick and put them on some dumbbells and do farmer's carries or just static holds to just blow out your grip even further. They also sell cannonball grips, which is about the size of a baseball. And they attach onto the dumbbells and the pull-up bars the exact same way. And they also sell liquid chalk too. So do me a favor and go and check them out. That's monkeygrips.com. Got a really cool interview for you here today. Paul Lachance is 81 years young, and he is doing Spartan races, and he's working towards 200 races by the end of 2023. He has a great story, and I'm glad that he was able to come onto the show and share it with us. Here's the interview with Paul Lachance. Paul Lachance, how are you doing today, sir? Well, I am doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day. We're having some rain showers, cooling it down. It's in the high 70s right now. It's a beautiful Colorado day. Man, it has been flooding here all week long with like severe thunderstorms. It's been pretty rough, and I'm ready to see like a drought. It's been raining so much. (laughs) Well, we were down in Fort Carson this past weekend, and we had one heck of a hailstorm. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, a lot of people got caught out out on the course, and uh, no protection because uh, it's flat land, or you know the, the hills, and but there's no uh, there are no trees, uh, so a lot of people got banged up uh, with the hail. So yeah, I think I saw some post where people were hiding up underneath cars to protect yourself from the hail oh yeah and cars were trying to escape uh trying to hide next to a tree or next to a building i mean it was it, it was horrendous so hmm. so uh how did the race go this past weekend well uh to be honest it was one of my not so favorite um performances uh I'm still struggling with a pretty severe sinus infection, and uh, we had taken some antibiotics before, but it was a very low dose, and so during the beast, it was just, uh, I I was struggling during the beast. I got through it and got got to uh, the super on Sunday morning and uh, got through that on normal time, and uh, I, I was just wiped out. So I, I I did not even attempt the uh, the sprint. So it was, but I came back here and uh, you know went and saw my ENT specialist and so now I'm on a very strong antibiotic. But the weekend, you know, it's it's always nice to get out with the Spartan people. I, I really enjoy uh, the camaraderie out there. So. Yeah. So I saw they had a pretty gnarly Armageddon section to get into the start corral. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, Spartans uh, started that this year. That they have, uh, it's maybe twenty-five yards long or something. You know, they put some barbed wire up there, a ditch, and some places they they've had rain and uh, or they'll hose it down. Uh, some hay bales that you have to go around, and they 
maybe underneath a log or whatever. I think it's a way of getting people a little excited, you know, before right. we get to the four foot wall to get up there. Yeah. Every venue is different. Uh, I've been, I don't know, what, eight or nine races so mm. far this year. And, uh, eight or nine venues, I should say. And, right. uh, uh, each one has been totally different. So, so you, you've been on the scene since 2014, right? Yes, sir. And how do you feel about, you know, how they're putting this Armageddon at the beginning of every race? How do you feel about it? Or do you like it or could you say they leave it off? Personally, I like it. Uh, it, it just adds uh, a little bit of fun to it. Uh, it. It gets people talking a little bit, you know, and uh, it, it's just sort of, uh, it, it's that bond right off the beginning. Uh, right. You've already conquered uh, one obstacle, which is the, the Armageddon, as you say. Hmm. And, uh, I equate that to what the Navy SEALs say, you know, the first thing you do when you get up in the morning, what is it? What does the SEAL say? They say, make your bed. Okay. So something very simple, but yet you have one obstacle that you've already accomplished. So the rest of the day is a piece of cake from there on out. Yeah. See, and at first I wanted to say when I saw the Armageddon, I was thinking to myself, you know what, this is kind of this is kind of dumb. You know, I've been doing this since 2015 myself and, you know, done almost 165 races. And I'm like, this is dumb. You know, I'd rather them spend more time on the obstacles out on the course itself. But after talking to Garfield about it and kind of thinking it more like if I would have saw that and it was my first race, I probably would have been like, whoa, what have I gotten into? And just just a major shock factor, you know, for that being your first race, and you have to go through this before the race even starts. So I, I, I've changed my mind. I like it, too. Yep. It just adds, I think, uh, a little bit. You get inside the gate and everybody's talking about it. It's, it's like an icebreaker, you know, at a party. If something happens and everybody starts talking to each other about it, whether they like it or not. But at least they're talking to each other, which is a big thing. Right. Well, Paul, let's let's back up a little bit. Um, tell everybody, you know, like where you're from, uh, how old you are, and, you know, like how did you, you know, what have you done for work in the past and how did you find like OCR? Uh, you want 81 years of history, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was born in a little town called Winsocket, Rhode Island, and it was an all-French town. I did not speak a word of English until I was 10 years old. Oh, wow. And uh, I went to a, a Catholic school uh, where the nuns were what what the cartoons say. You know, you've seen the cartoons about the mean nuns. Well, boy, right. I had them. So. <laughs> And anyhow, but they did teach us reading, writing, and arithmetic. Uh, then we moved up to Massachusetts to a, an Irish town, so I started learning uh, English very quickly because the Catholic school there, uh, we did not have English as a second language. You just, you talked, or you didn't talk. Then uh, when I was 13, we moved to a little town upstate New York called Putnam Lake, uh, right 
right on the Connecticut line. And it was a resort town for New York, uh, Brooklyn, Italian people. And that's where I started to learn how to say 30 30 in the Deutsch Street real good. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that. I, I can uh, talk that Brooklyn accent pretty well. And, uh, and that's, I call that my formative years, you know, high school years and so right. on. Lear, learned how to hunt, trap, fish, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, live there, you know, until I joined the Navy, got out of, uh, what the, uh, well, I got out of high school in 59 and uh, went straight into the Navy, uh, got out in 62, uh, let's see, got married in 65. Oh, wait, 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 wait a second, Paul, you, you just, you just skipped uh, some loaded questions there. So, so, <laughs> so what, what did you, uh, what did you do in the Navy? Well, I, I went to school as an electronic technician, aviation electronic technician. That was my A school uh, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, they assigned me down to NAS uh, Jacksonville a Squadron BA-44. And at that time, we had a, a whole bunch of ATs, a- aviation electronics people. So they put us all out on the, uh, on the line as... Uh, Working with the planes, basically, uh, but not in electronics. Uh, we were called plane captains, and uh, so I was in charge of uh, making sure they were gassed, fueled, uh, cleaned, uh, make sure the pilot was comfortable when he sat in there, got him strapped in, and things of this nature. Just an assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when it came to my, uh, my turn to rotate into the electronic shop, uh, I refused it, and... Um, I stayed out on the line. Uh, so uh, I was having a good time. Uh, my friends were mostly the young pilots. And so I hung out with the officers for the most part, even though I was an enlisted man. And uh, so, you know, just having a good time working uh, eight to five, uh, Monday through Friday, and having the weekends off. It was a, just a regular job. <laughs> so that's what I did. So do you have any, like, really interesting, like, stories or, you know, something that's funny that happened in the Navy or anything like that? I always ask people that's been in the military if they got any good stories to tell. Uh, I have uh, what I call the scariest moment of my life. Uh, That'll work. We were out, <laughs> we were out on uh, carrier qualifications uh, outside of uh, Mayport, and uh, we're out on the flight deck. And uh, I was pretty close to the edge. Uh, and one of the jets, uh, fortunately not one that I was handling, uh, he turned the wrong way. And I got blasted uh, right off the flight deck. Oh, wow. Now, that sounds bad. However, there's a net that goes around it. Uh, so I was actually caught in the net. But I'm, I'm holding on to that net and looking straight down. And I'm just seeing the water going underneath me. So if it wasn't for that net, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've been to Charleston, and I stood on top of that aircraft carrier there. And uh, I forget what – is that the Yorktown that's parked there? I can't remember. I, I don't remember. No, and it, that's it, – you see those things on TV, but it's unreal how high those things are off the water. Very high. Yes, uh, well, they're about uh, 
eight to nine stories on on average, you know, at, at minimum. Yeah. So, yeah. So you said you got out in 62. So what made you decide to get out so early and not like go career? Uh, several things. Uh, being a young whippersnapper and thinking I knew it all, you know, typical young man. Um, my chief petty officer and I were starting to argue a little bit about, mm. you know, me knowing more than he did, which, you know, that's not true. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but there were also, uh, there were, there, were uh, there was a word, uh, starting to bounce around a little bit and, uh, it was called Vietnam and I'm saying, mm. Mm. uh, and some of the pilots, pilots that we were training were being sent over there. You know, or getting ready, cause, and that's what they were telling us. That, yeah, we're going to be going over, you know, Southeast Asia, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. You know, so, like I said, this is 62, and uh, the war hadn't really started up yet. It was the Vietnam era, but not the Vietnam War at right. that time. So I put that together, and I said, well, you know, I want to go out. I want to go to school. Uh get a good job get electronic technician that was my training mm-hmm. and uh so i just decided to get out sound like you did the right thing well uh, i think i would have been safe you know being a a, a plane captain uh in a in a training squadron i, I think i would have been safe uh but we didn't have too many navy enlisted men you know get hurt over there Right. Not percentage wise. Uh, so uh, I think I would have been okay, but I'm just as glad that I didn't have to go through what those guys did. Hmm. So. so, did you end up going in to school and becoming an electronics technician? No, sir. Uh, I got out of school. I mean, I got out of the Navy. I, I did become an electronic technician. And uh, while I was doing that, uh, telemetry was, uh, was hot and heavy the space program was going and uh i had this one guy running around the office uh had a white shirt and tie on and all he did was take notes and ask questions about how this worked that worked and turned out that he was the chief technical writer for for all the manuals uh, you know uh, on the equipment Hmm. and i said hmm that's pretty interesting Hmm. so i started talking to him more in depth and uh he said he was going to be hiring another technical writer because we were so busy. So I applied for the job, and he gave me an interview, and he gave me an assignment to, to write up a, a prototype manual on just a small piece of equipment. I did. Uh, he hired me, and I became a tech writer. So um, I did that for, let's see, that 63, 64 up until 66, uh, uh, I, I got bored pretty quickly with uh, <laughs> with different positions. And uh, I had a good friend that I was living with, not living with, in the same town. And uh, he was a, a police officer in, in the uh, little town we lived in, Bethel, Connecticut. And he said, you know, you ought to come to work for us, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So, so I said, hmm, interesting. So I went and got a job as a police officer so um did that until 66 then i moved to 
uh, Palm Beach, Florida, where I joined the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. Hmm. Uh, and from that point on, uh, I got my degrees. Uh, I actually have a, a bachelor's in applied arts uh, with a concentration in criminal justice. Right. I, then I uh, have a, a master's in public administration with a concentration in law enforcement. So, um, in 73, I, I quit the sheriff's office and went and started teaching at the local junior college. Hmm. Uh, it was called Palm Beach Junior College then. Uh, I think it's just Palm Beach College now. Hmm. And uh, that was in uh, Lake Worth, Florida. Seventy-eight. Uh, I quit that and went up to Tallahassee and uh, started working on my doctorate. And uh, uh, that did not uh, go too well. Uh, hmm. I just ran out of money. Uh, working on your doctorate takes a lot of money. Right. And uh, I, I just literally ran out of money. I, I, I borrowed everything I could from everybody. And uh, um, so I came out here in... Uh, Colorado. Uh, I took the job as the uh, head uh, criminal justice instructor um, at Mesa College. Uh, at that time, it's called Colorado Mesa University now. And uh, did that until 89, uh, at which time I, I tried my hand in sales, found out I'm not a good salesman. Uh, I can talk, <laughs> I can teach, but I'm a lousy salesman. Uh, and uh, but I had a friend of mine who was a uh, real estate appraiser, and uh, he wanted to move to Tucson. Yeah, I said, hmm. So I went to school to become an appraiser in 89. I, uh, well, let's see, that was actually 91. I bought his business, and I've been doing that ever since. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so, so I, I have a very, very, uh, very background. So is that's what held you in Colorado all this time then, having the business? Yeah. Yep. Uh, the college and my real estate business, the real estate appraisal business. Now, um, my first wife passed away. Uh, and then I met a lady out here. Uh, and we've been married. We're going to be married uh, 37 years, coming up here in a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. So, Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, so... I understand that you had like, well, wait, before, are, are you retired now? I'm sure. I, I assume. No, sir. Uh, uh, I'm still working. In fact, uh, I'm sitting at my desk right now. I have three screens going and, uh, uh, two of them have data on them, uh, on a report I'm writing up. So, so you still go out and do house appraisals and stuff? Yes, sir. Uh, on a normal basis, uh, normal week, I'll work, uh, 50 to 60 hours a week. Holy crap, that's more hours than I work and want to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I say, I'm sitting here at my desk at home in my own office. Uh, uh, it's a pretty big office. And uh, looking out at the Colorado National Monument, uh, the mountains over here. So, yeah, it's not a bad, not a bad way to live. So. Well, I mean, that's cool you having a business like that so you can schedule your own time where you can get to the races a little easier. So, absolutely absolutely so tell us about how you found ocr and how you signed up for your first race back 
in, oh gosh, let's see, what would that be? Um, 19, no, 2006, I had a, what we call a heart event. It's easier to say heart attack, but uh, <laughs> I had an event, <laughs> event that uh, required a quintuple bypass. So I had five arteries that were blocked. Wow. And I, I had open heart surgery. Uh, uh, they took the heart out, played around with it, blah, 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 and <laughs> so on. And uh, uh, I, I was doing some rehab work, and uh, I had to do you know, 12, uh, 12 sessions of rehab. And I was at the gym uh, and doing the, the cardio stuff, you know, the bicycle, the treadmill, and and like I said earlier, I get bored uh, if I do the same thing over and over and over again. Right. Uh, so I started looking around for something. And in 2014, I think it was the early part of 2014, uh, checking the, the internet, I see this thing uh, where people are crawling underneath barbed wire and they're going over what we now call the A frame. And I said, yeah, I can do that because I had gotten healthy enough where I can do that. That looks like fun. So I grabbed my uh, my stepson, and uh, who was in the Air Force at the time, uh, I grabbed another college professor friend of mine, and we grabbed another kid. Uh, so we had a team of four, and we actually went down Colorado Springs and did our very very first sprint in uh, in May of two thousand. Uh, 14. Uh, ironically, that sprint took us four hours and 27 minutes to do. <laughs> and how, how old were you when you did that race? Uh, 2014. Well, let's see, that would have been 73. I think, yeah, 73 years old. Mm -hmm. so, so, how did the race go? And how did you feel during the race? And did like your wife and all your friends and family think you were crazy for trying it? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my wife did come with us because uh, we we were trying it out, and she was still worried about the heart and so on and so forth. Um, we went uh, through, and at that time, they had the uh, the barbed wire crawl was right in front of the spectators. The, the spectators were lined up uh, ten yards away from the barbed wire crawl. And here are these army guys with these big fire hoses hosing us down as we went. <laughs> I mean, you know what a muddy mess that was. And my wife said she'd never seen me so dirty, ever. But I got up uh, when I finished the barbed wire, and I had a smile on my face that she said would just never quit. <laughs> and at that point, I knew I was hooked, even though some of the obstacles I still struggle with. Uh, but they had different things that they had. Uh, they, we had to drag a cement block up the hill uh, tied mm. to a chain. Uh, rucks, ruck bags, uh, you know, probably 90 pounds going up a hill. And uh, if you've ever been to Fort Carson, those hills are not exactly, uh, 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 shall we say, easy. Uh, they're relatively steep. Right. And uh, But, uh, you know, different things like this. 
and but it took us like i say a little over four hours to do it and you know but i was having a blast and mm. i literally was hooked that very first time so so yeah and uh, the, uh, my family does think um i'm crazy uh but after all these years the I think they've changed from crazy. There's a, a certain amount of admiration. Uh, I like it when my grandsons uh, call me the beast. Uh, <laughs> you know, I am, uh, here I am, 81 years old, and I'm still doing it. And so, you know, uh, has to be doing something right. Right. So I, I understand you have a goal that you're trying to get to 200 races by the end of 2023, right? That was my initial goal. Yes, it was. Uh, right now, I'm at race 173. Hmm. And uh, uh, we started out, I was at 149 at the beginning of the year. Wow. And uh, I'm looking at the schedule uh, with me missing uh, the race, uh, the sprint uh, this weekend. Um, it's going to be very tight and... Uh, uh, I'm trying to see where I can make up uh, some races. I was thinking of, you know, I've got Utah coming up. But that's um, New England or Asheville. I'm not quite sure which one I'm going to go to. West Virginia. All Most of these races coming up right now are all uh, trifecta weekends. Right. So that yeah, they're all uh, three race maximum because uh, I'm not uh, strong enough or healthy enough Uh my endurance is not to put in two sprints after a super, and uh, that's just not me. So, right, uh, I'm, it's going to be tight. Well, um, so I understand that you also had like a little battle of cancer at some point too. Was it like 2018, 2019? Um, it started out. Uh, Actually, even before that, uh, being a redhead when I was growing up and blue eyes and white skin, basically, I sunburned a lot, mm. which I didn't realize was going to re uh, develop into uh, skin cancer later on. I started out with some uh, some basic uh, skin cancers, uh, and I had uh, three Mohs surgeries uh, uh, for uh, squamous cells, and uh, uh, the the, the Mohs is where they cut a whole chunk out and they do a, uh, a pathology on it, make sure they got it all. If they didn't, they cut more out and so on. Hmm. Um, right about that time, I also had uh, lip cancer. And I like to say four swipes, but uh, it probably was a little bit more. Uh, my wife and I went to my dermatologist and he said yeah we're gonna have to do something with that lip a lower lip and uh, four swipes and my lip was gone oh. uh, so so what i have right now is i call it my phony lip and <laughs> uh, people can't see it uh but uh they, they can't tell if they unless they really look at it uh the texture is just a little bit different and uh, after the dermatologist cut it off. He just bandaged it up and sent me home. And we had an appointment with the uh, plastic surgeon the next morning, and who uh, he reformed my lip. He literally just took 
the lip, what was left, and turned it outside, inside out, and uh, stitched it up, made a made a lip out of it. And uh, right now, it, it's still basically uh, numb, but yet you you can't see it. Uh, you, you cannot tell that it's uh, unless you really, really look at it. If you're looking at my lower lip uh, that close. You either better be my wife or, or somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> you can't be that close to me. <laughs> I was about to say, seeing you in person and, you know, seeing your pictures, I would have never noticed. No, uh, you wouldn't notice. Uh, I think it was just uh, four years ago, I developed a great big tumor on uh, my lower jaw. I mean, it just popped right out within within weeks. It was from a, a little thing there to a, a full-size golf ball. And mm. they had to cut that out. And that's where my radiation and chemo came in. I had six sessions of chemo and 33 sessions of mm. radiation. And uh, that's left my left side basically barren uh, of hair. So I... If I grew a beard right now, it would be uh, pretty dull because <laughs> I, my right side would have all sorts of uh, red hair coming out and the left side would be very, very minimal hair coming out because it just burned everything up, uh, the radiation did. How long did that take you out of racing? I know that probably sucked having to have that radiation done and feeling like crap. Actually, it took me uh, the first year uh, probably about six months. Well, that's and, not too uh, bad. No, it, it really wasn't. Uh, I kept begging my uh, oncologist to, to give me the green light to go. Because one thing I, I do do is uh, if a doctor tells me, you know, hold off, I will hold off. I do follow their orders pretty uh, carefully. And, uh, but he... I got to the point where my oncologist said, okay, go, but be careful. <laughs> and ironically, the very, very first race after that was down in uh, Asheville. And I'm up on top of the uh, vertical cargo, and I felt pretty darn good. Uh, yeah, so okay. I was tired. I, I knew I was out of shape, basically. But... Uh, I'm sitting up there on top of the vertical cargo and I started coming down. Well, the vertical cargo had been raining that day and it was all nice and slick and so on and so forth. Mm. Well, I fell from the top of the vertical cargo down onto those mats. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I just, but I landed just, just perfectly on my back. I mean, just knocked the wind out of me and I took a couple of breaths and got up and everybody said, Oh, are you okay? We, you know, do you need the medic? And I, nope, 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 nope. Uh, off we went. So, taught me a big lesson right there. He said, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah. You know, I, I was weaker than normal. I was cocky. I say, I, I'm, I've got this. I'm back, and you know, blah blah blah. No, I'm a little on the older side. Better, better take care of this thing. So, I'm a little bit more careful these days. Was that? 2018 when it flooded that Friday night and the whole course was raining the whole time? 
<laughs> you remember that, huh? I do remember that. That whole venue, like around the the stage and everything, was just was, like two feet was, of mud. Oh, it was awful, and the cars awful. were parked on the side of the hill and on grass. Mm-hmm. People people were sliding trying to get out. Oh, that was a nasty, nasty venue. <laughs> yeah, it was. So I miss that venue though. Maybe that's where uh, Spartan got their idea of uh, putting a uh, an Armageddon in front of the starting gate because that was just pure mud, and right. uh, I uh, I felt sorry for the uh, the people in the venues uh, and uh, the tents and so on because they had to stand in it. At least we were walking in it, you know, right. to sort of get out of it. But when you have to stand in it for eight hours a day or ten hours a day, that's nasty. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty muddy course that year for sure. Yes, sir. So, Paul, what's what is training like for you these days? Well, uh, these last couple of weeks have been very minimal because of my sinus infection. But I live here uh, probably uh, thinking maybe a half mile, uh, three quarters of a mile from the Colorado River. And between here and the river, there's a series of lakes we call connected lakes. They're little ponds uh, that they've, they're they're old gravel pits and things of that nature. And there's a whole bunch of trails down there. And um, what I normally do is get out of my house and I'll jog down to the trails and uh, between three and four mile slow jog, and that's basically what I do. Uh, I, I don't lift weights or anything of that nature. Uh, I'm just a, a slow jogger. Uh, you know, I, I want to keep going, keep basically cardio, keep my legs going. Uh, I'll, every once in a while, I'll do a whole bunch of squats down there, and if I'm really happy, I might even do a burpee down there. So. <laughs> but I, I have to be in really good mood to do a burpee. Uh, we had a forest fire down in there a couple of years back, and oh, no. so a lot of the trees are down. And uh, I, I use the, the down trees to uh, for for balance. Uh, so I'll walk along the trunks, you know, around the uh, horizontal side. And uh, so it, it's more trail running right now than anything else and then we have a place just to the south of me where it's probably a couple of thousand acres of open land uh, rolling hills uh, right next to the colorado national monument and uh, i'll go over there and do the same thing jog uh, up and down uh, uh, the trails and walk the trails and get about four or five if i go over there it's about four or five miles uh, i will do because it's, it's an easier uh, venue basically uh, easier trails because uh, they're just rolling hills whereas if I go down to the connected lakes area I've got a pretty good hill to go down and then I have to come back up so right. I live on the bluff uh, off over the river so so what is your favorite distance of race to do I know you do them all but I just wonder if you have like a favorite you know, specific distance that you like to do? It's, uh, I would say 
the sprint naturally because I, I, especially now because I can get if the weather cooperates and my health cooperates I can get three sprints in a day and uh, for me that's pretty good that's you know nine plus miles right uh, so it, it's that uh, I can do a sprint get the medal with the t-shirt uh, I'll go grab a, a quick beer with a banana <laughs> take a break yeah, uh, change my bib number out, and so on. Get back out on course. Uh, most of the gate announcers, well, I think I know all of them now. You know, they see me coming. You know, I just go. Right. So, so I, I can get the three without any problems. Um, I, I do like the supers. Yes, the beasts are uh, starting to get to me. Thirteen miles. Uh, this past weekend, you know, it was close to seven hours uh, by the time uh, we finished up. It would have been about seven hours. We got uh, we got yanked because of the uh, the storm, and uh, it's it's just one of those things. I, I, I like the beast um, in in Dallas. Uh, the uh, the Vegas one it was nice. The Arizona beast uh, was nice. Uh, uh, that was new last year. Uh, I'm not looking forward to Utah coming up here in a couple <laughs> of weeks. Uh, uh, I will, although I will take the Utah beast over the Colorado beast any day. Uh, really? Yeah, I'd rather have the, the long, sloping hills than these short, uh, steep hills. The hills uh, really do a number on me. Uh, hmm. My mom and dad smoked like chimneys. We had a blue cloud in the house all the time, <laughs> and it affected, and affected my lungs. Uh, so I, I take my boost oxygen with me and uh, try to help uh, get that going. Um, but the, but the hills are, are the altitude doesn't hurt me. It, it's the it's the incline, constant uh, short hills that, that are so steep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so to answer your question, I think the sprint is easier because I know I have, you know, an hour and a half and I'm done. Uh, and if I want to do more, I can do, I can do more, but it's, the the end is already in sight. The super is nice uh, on some of these flatter courses uh, uh, down South and on East uh, and Florida and Georgia, uh, that area but um yeah i'll go with the sprint so did you do the uh trifecta weekend that we had in atlanta this year no i didn't um i've been to atlanta Uh, i normally go to atlanta because my daughter is in douglasville there Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, las vegas had a a trifecta weekend this year and uh, so there was a new venue uh, it was an easy flight, one hour flight from my from my town down to Vegas. Uh, stayed there uh, right outside the uh, the venue, and uh, I got home that you know Sunday night rather than Tuesday because I always like to stay a day with my daughter. Right. So, well, so, but but I heard about it. <laughs> it was it was very cold, but it was it was a pretty cool beast that they put on that course out there. I'm sure you've run that course before, but it was it was a it was a fun beast. I think everybody that did the race enjoyed it. They just wished it would have been a little bit warmer cuz it was it was pretty cold both days. 
what I like about Atlanta is that cargo net up against the wall. Right. The cliff climb. I mean, the cliff climb, yeah. There's there's something about that that yeah, the first time I did it, you know, my, my fingernails were ground down to the uh, to the bone, I think, because you just dig into into the dirt right there. And I'm saying, hmm, it's quite interesting. Yeah. So, but but I, I enjoy that. Now that that's probably one of my favorite obstacles to do is that cliff climb. Yeah, I was, that would it is pretty fun, and I think that it's kind of washed out so much that they actually moved it over a little bit on the hill, so it's not quite as vertical. But I'm sure after a few years, it'll start washing out just like the other one did. Right. But it's still it's still a good a good obstacle, and and you and you're right, it's unique to the uh, to the venue for sure. Yep. So um. And, and that was what I wanted to ask you, too. You know, what are your favorite obstacles to do? Oh, there's no question. The spear throw is, is number one. Uh, spear throw is number one. Uh, I think I have a probably about a 95, 96% success rate uh, with that. And we even have video. Uh, there's another Spartan. Uh, I call him Mr. Spartan, Tom Manning. I don't know if you've I know him. run across it. You know Tom? Yeah. Uh, Tom has uh, videotaped me uh, four different times. And uh, I haven't done it this year yet because of the smaller target. But four different times I hit the target uh, blindfolded. So uh, I think I've got oh, wow. a, I know I have a 100% success rate at the uh, spear throw doing it blindfolded. Wow. <laughs> How do you... Uh, so, Go ahead, I'm sorry. How do you feel about the smaller targets? Do you like it? Actually, it took me about five throws in Jacksonville, uh, my first time out this year, to to nail it down. I, I had to think about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the target is, is fine. Uh, I... Uh, once I nailed it, I knew where uh, how to hold my arm, how to throw it, and so on. Uh, I, I don't have any issues because uh, I've always been re- pretty close to center, and uh, uh, I have a pretty good arm uh, as far as throwing it. I think it's a pretty good technique, and uh, uh, I just like to equate it with a dart you throw it a dart you know I, you chuck it in, in my opinion you don't throw it you chuck it and uh, i just line it up look at it uh and just let it fly and most of the time it's within within a foot off center so hmm. well, a lot of people can't say that they're as accurate as you i know that i definitely cannot <laughs> well it, it's just one of those things you know uh I take my time at it, you know, instead of just, uh, this past weekend, I was trying to help a, a couple of people, uh, because they would come up and just throw the, the darn spear. You don't, you can't do that because it's going to go all over the place. It's going to go up, go down, go wide. Uh, they don't take the time to, to really look at it and, and, and just concentrate, uh, on, on, throwing the spear correctly uh, and I, I tried telling him uh, so many times and uh, 
you know, you got to put that string on the other side of, of the fence, not uh, not on this side, because mm-hmm. you're going to step on it. Right. No, that's guaranteed. Yep. And, oh, no, they, you know, no, I won't do it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then, hey, uh, I think my, my next favorite obstacle is a slip wall. And because uh, it took me a couple of years to, to learn how to do that slip wall. I slid, I've slid down that wall right smack into the mud at the bottom so many times and i said there's got to be a way there's got to be a way and you know okay somebody finally said just lean back a little bit Hmm. you know and oh okay so once i did that you know i got up and i've had a couple of times when it's been really muddy and sloppy but uh you know i said hmm I struggle and people have to pull me up out of it, you know, but that's okay. Paul, uh, everybody I'm sure that is doing, you know, OCR, they want to be out there when they're 81 years young. I know I do (laughs) just like you are. Uh, What is the key to being healthy enough and resilient enough to do these races like you're doing them now? Well, it's like you say, I'm, I'm healthy enough. Uh, I tell people, yes, I've had cancer. Okay, that's gone. I don't live with that anymore. Yes, I had a heart issue. Okay, we fixed it. I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. Hmm. Um, something we haven't said, uh, I don't have a left thumb. I, I got pulled off in an industrial accident and broke the left forearm up pretty good. So I have wow. very little muscle in the left forearm and but i don't dwell on that i I use that to for my balance a a lot and uh so i think it's a mindset for the most part Uh, i talked to so many parents out there uh some of the the older people running around the venue or you know the spectators they say come on and they said oh i can't do that you know blah 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 why not well, I'm too old, you know, I'm 69 or 72 or whatever, you know. No, you're not, you know. You're not too old. You just get, it's a mindset. And I have been, except for the lungs, I have been blessed with good health. I don't have any nasty diseases. I don't have diabetes. I don't have AFib or anything of that nature. And I want to get out. I am motivated because of my my kids and my uh, my grandkids think the world of me, and uh, there's an ego thing there too. Uh, I I will uh, uh, claim that all day long that uh, I feel good when people come up and say hi, you know. Or uh, well, here, here's an incident. Uh, this just happened uh, this past Saturday morning. Uh, checking my bag at the bag check. And uh, we were, uh, I don't know if you've seen my T-shirts. The uh, red ones? Uh, well, I have red, blue, and green, depending on what distance we're running, okay? Right. And and they're American Warrior Initiative. Uh, it's a fundraiser that we do for American Warrior. But anyhow, uh, my, my son had uh, his blue shirt on. And uh, we're at the bag check, and some young guy came up to my son and he says 
do you know? Oh, my name's on the shirt. And uh, he says, do you know Paula Chance? And my son looks at me, and I heard this guy say that. And my son looks at me, and he says, yeah, there he is right there. And this guy, it was probably 21, 22 years old. I swear, he acted like a, a teenage girl uh, meeting a rock star. And, I mean, he was all, like, giddy, and he's just jumping up and down. He was, he came over, gave me a big hug, and said, oh, so glad to meet you, and things of this nature. Wow. And I'm saying, this has never happened to me before. <laughs> but <laughs> not like that, anyhow. Not, uh, if I would have been a young lady, that would have been different, you know. But that's, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I'm a normal male, by the way. <laughs> anyhow. Uh, that was quite, that was quite interesting, and then uh, we were getting ready to go out on the super, and Patrick, uh, the announcer, you know, he he singles me out, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But then there was a, there was a young man uh, outside. He was a a young uh, spectator, and he he came up to me and he's tapping me on the shoulder, and he says, Paul. I just want to say thank you for inspiring me. I want to be like you. This kid was about 10 or 12 years old. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm saying, darn, if I can do that, you know. Uh, and if you read the post or whatever, uh, I know I'm inspiring a whole bunch of people. And so that goes along with the ego. Uh, I just feel good about it. Uh, right. I'm making other people feel good makes me feel good. So, Paul, you kind of piqued my curiosity a little bit because I'm industrial maintenance by trade, and I'm kind of curious how you lost your thumb and broke your forearm now. <laughs> uh, 1983, uh, uh, August 83. I don't remember the exact date, but it's, it was August 83. Uh, in the summertime, I was still teaching at Mesa College here at the time, mm-hmm. and in the summertime, I would Oh, God. 
Yeah. So. <laughs> oh man. So, so, so when it came out, uh, my wrist was at my elbow. Hmm. It just literally folded the forearm right now. Oh wow. Yeah. So the scars are still there. Uh, the plates, uh, they put plates in there to hold the, the bones together. But I did lose my thumb. Uh, it was what we call a degloving accident. And uh, it literally pulled all the, the meat off of my uh, thumb bone. Uh, and <coughs> my, my apologies. Uh, so that took uh, three weeks of hospitalization to cure. Mm. But uh, so I have the use of four fingers. I, I cannot make a good fist because uh, it's limited there. Right. And and uh, but I'm uh, so I use the fingers. I have pretty good strength out, out of the fingers because uh, all these years, uh, you know, plus uh, thirty years now, mm. and uh, uh, I've developed pretty good. Uh, I I can even like tie a shoelace now. So mm. try, try tying a shoelace without a thumb. <laughs> I bet it's difficult. Or, 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 or a, button, a, buttoning, a button on your shirt. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Little things like that you, you just don't realize. Man, I so bet that was traumatizing. I oh, man. So, Paul, we're getting on an hour here, but every time I bring somebody on, I always ask them the same questions. Uh, to this day, what's been your most favorite race and why? Oh God! Uh, Dallas. Let's see. That would have been 2016. I'm, I'm looking up at my wall here. Uh, Dallas, 2016, the Beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son and I. Uh, we had hooked up with a team yet, or anything like that, like the Spartan Toro. You know, blah blah. So we didn't really know too many people, but uh, there was a, a group going out, uh, Operation Enduring Warrior, mm-hmm. and uh, they had a gentleman in a wheelchair they were taking. Well, his name <clears throat> was Lieutenant Commander Amir Ishtad. I don't know if you know him or not. No. Uh, he is, he was... Uh, the lieutenant commander in charge of SEAL Team 5. And he is partially uh, paralyzed. And uh, so they had him in a wheelchair. And my son and I uh, asked if we could go along with them because uh, they are all military. My son was still in the Air Force at the time. And so we had something common. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we helped carry, push, pull, you know, uh, whatever, whatever. the lieutenant commander and i had been talking to him and uh, so we were in the navy together blah 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 and at the very end uh he says paul says how old are you and i said 75 sir always say sir to lieutenant commander mm-hmm. and uh he said well you guys kept up with us and i said something to the effect that well, heck, you weren't going that fast. You were in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you, you say something like that to a Navy SEAL, and that's almost an insult. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize that. 
<laughs> but anyhow, he, and I said, yeah, you weren't going that fast. Well, he reaches into uh, his uh, his pocket and he pulls out a pin, and he, it was SEAL Team 5 pin. And he says, from here on out, you're part of my team. Hmm. And That's that cool. made me the, the proudest man I've ever been. You know, I, to have a, a lieutenant commander of the Navy SEAL say I'm part of his team because I kept up with him because he was in a wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I have that pin. Uh, I'm looking at it right now up on my on my board, and it will not leave the office. Uh, I've taken some several other pins out, but this one here is, is very special. Uh, so so I, I will say uh, uh, Dallas, and that's also the place uh, where – uh, Chris Kyle was uh, was killed, and so you know it's sort of hallowed ground down there for for people who who were in the Navy. So yeah, I did that race in 2015, and that's the farthest west I've ever gone to do a race was that one. Um, go ahead. I was gonna say uh, that. So you were there a year before me. So yes, sir. and uh, yep, and. Uh, to me, that was a beautiful venue, uh, uh, and it was just so much fun being with those guys. Uh, they're a totally different uh, breed of animals. Uh, they're human. They have such endurance, such strength, such fortitude. Uh, uh, I wish I could have uh, lived up to being even thinking of being one of those guys. Uh, there's no way I could, I could live up to that. Okay, so now I want the reverse of that question. What's been oh. your worst race or the race you hated the most and why? The one that I hated the most. Or the worst or hardest. A lot of people don't like to say they hated a race. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go back to Fort Carson. Uh, I, I really I think it's one of my toughest races um, because of the hills. The, the hills are not very long; they're a couple hundred yards long. Mm-hmm. However, they're so steep and gravelly and full of cactus uh, and rattlesnakes. Uh, the snakes don't bother me, but the hills just up and down, up and down. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Uh, it just wears me out. Within two hills, I am almost worn out. So knowing that I have six more to go, I said, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it's a mental drain on me. So uh, to go back to the previous question, I'm going to say that uh, Breckenridge is probably one of my favorite venues also. Yeah, they don't. Plus, we don't do that one anymore, do we? No, we don't. Uh, we we don't have a, a Colorado uh, Beast one this year. Uh, they went from Breckenridge to Snowmass, and a couple of years ago we were at Telluride. Uh, Telluride was a nasty one. Uh, I bet. Because that was some, uh, some steep hills there, too. But Breckenridge, uh, such a beautiful venue, beautiful town, you know, right smack in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. Right. Uh, that, that, that has some good memories for my son and I. So, I wonder why yeah. they quit using that venue. Do you know? I haven't the foggiest idea. So, 
uh, I was told uh, some of the town folks didn't uh, like us coming in, and but uh, that's that's a pretty yuppie town, and you know huh. we were probably kind of kind of dirty going back to the motels, and so I don't know. Right. Uh, I really don't know. So. Okay, Paul. My yeah. my last question is. What is your race routine? Do you have like a certain thing that you do on Friday leading up to the race or Saturday morning before the race? Like, how do you prep for a race weekend? Most of the time I fly into the venue, uh, you know, to the town because where I live, Grand Junction, Colorado, uh, it's not drivable. Uh, even Vegas is, is a seven hour drive and that's the closest thing. Uh, Fort Carson is, is six hour drive from mm. here. And, uh, so I'll, I can drive that, but, uh, anything else I'll fly into. Uh, I try to uh, find a flight that gets me there early afternoon so I can drive to the town and get settled in Friday night. Uh, normally we, we get together with Spartan 4.0 people or some of the local guys and, uh, we'll have dinner and, and uh, so on saturday mornings or in the mornings i like to get up early uh, i'm an early bird I, even here uh at home i'm up at four o'clock in the morning mm. and uh, uh i like to get up have a cup of coffee and uh, i bring normally uh, a small pack of cereal with me uh, most motels don't open up their restaurants until six thirty, seven o'clock and uh, that's too late for me um, so I'll have some cereal, banana, some more coffee, um, uh, head to the venue, uh, stop at a gas station, get some, a really good hot cup of coffee that'll, that will last for a while. Mm. Uh, I like to check in to the venue and just walk around get, get a lay of the land, uh, say hi to, uh, the stage announcer to the, uh, race director if i see him there uh the gate announcer you know just just quiet down get, get my mind going and uh saying okay let's get into the race routine uh i know people uh, okay uh, we're gonna start at the same time most of the time i can start off on the first open wave mm. uh so okay who's going you know let's just sort of get into the flow of it uh, but, but I like being there early. Uh, I, I'm not one that, you know, let's say uh, I have an 8.45 start time. I don't want to get there at 8 o'clock. Right. I want to get there at 7, 7.30. This right. way I can relax. You can get over there, check my bag, and, and just just relax. So it's, it's more of a mental thing there, you know, that just sort of say, hey, I'm here. I'm ready. That's my... Uh, the gate announcer always has his, you know, that speech that, that he gives. Well, my walking around is my speech, my internal speech, saying, oh, okay, okay, we're going to do this. Okay, the weather's okay. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, well, I'm looking at the terrain. Uh, I knew what Fort Carson was. Uh, I'm dreading that. But, uh, like, in Utah, uh, I don't mind that, that one at all uh, hmm. because – and now I've started using my trekking poles. I started using them in Fort Carson the first time uh, last weekend. And 
what a godsend they are for me, uh, for mm. an older guy. He was starting to lose his balance a little bit and uh, made a world of difference going downhill and a world of difference going uphill. So, yeah. so it, it's, a, it's a mental preparation to get into, into the mood to go. So that's, what I, that's my preparation. So Paul, no, no special, no special running around, or doing push-ups or pull-ups or <laughs> you know anything like that. So, Paul, what would you tell somebody that says I'm too old to do this? If you're breathing, you're not too old. We have people who are blind. We have people in wheelchairs. We have people with no legs. Uh, you probably know Casey and mm-hmm. uh, uh, ran into him up in Montana. I mean, here he is pulling his wheelchair. He's on the stump and doing a beast with, on, his, on the stump with his hands, you know. Um, if you are breathing, you can do it because you're going to have so many people out there cheering you on, helping you on that you cannot fail. The only time you can fail is when you fail yourself. It's that simple, in my opinion. Because I'm 81. Okay, I'm going to be 82 coming up in a month. Uh, no big deal. But it's not a big deal because I'm just walking one step at a time. And as long as I do that, and I have. I have other people around me uh, who are going to help me. Uh, the inverted wall. I look for two big guys. I say, okay, guys, okay, I need a help, okay? Because I, I've lost the spring out of my uh, my legs. Uh, I, I just can't push myself that much anymore. Hmm. But I can get two big guys and say, okay, boom, you know, off the inverted wall we go. So, so you just ask for help and we're there to help. Every one of us is there to help if, if somebody is asking. So no one is too old. Uh, and if you're breathing, you can do it if you want to. It's a mental thing. Hmm. I agree with you. Paul, when's your birthday? July 10th. Okay. I was about to say, you said it was a month away. I was like, mine's a month away. Mine's July the 16th. So. Okay. You're, well, you're closer to a month. I'm only three weeks. Yeah. Well, Paul, I'm out of questions. Is there anything you want to add that we may have left out? No, sir. Uh, I think we've covered a, a whole, lot of, whole lot of stuff here. Uh, more than I expected, but... Uh, uh, I, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, to share my story, and uh, and if we can get one more person off the couch, then I think we've done something good. Paul, the pleasure was mine. Is there you want to tell people like where they can follow your journey? I know you're on Facebook. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have a big uh, following there. Uh, Instagram, uh, Paul Chance dot fourteen, and. Uh, that's about it. I, I don't do too many of the other. I don't do TikTok or anything yeah, like that. So, uh, Facebook is my primary mode of uh, communications. 
uh, that and messenger. I, I do a lot of the messenger work. Uh, uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, I think Facebook is the easiest way to get uh, get a hold of me. I think I'm the only Paul with Chance out there. Hmm. Uh, so. Well, Paul, good luck with you in Utah, and thanks again for uh, doing this. Hey, my pleasure, and, and uh, uh, hope to see you at the next race here somewhere. Have a good evening. You too. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Paul again for taking time to talk to us. Uh, my next race will be Palmerton. Last week, for those of you who are interested, I did my first run on my ankle since I sprained it in the Fayetteville Ultra. Uh, it was, it was still, it, it, it doesn't, I was running on one of those type gravel roads where, not a gravel road, it's a paved road, but it's one of those where it's, it looks like gravel and then they've just got like a tar stuff like holding it together. Probably wasn't the best thing to run on, but I run just a, like a three miler and just kind of took it easy and I, I was able to kind of finish through it, but I could tell that my ankle doesn't want to do anything unless it's that flat. You know, I mean, I could go up, I could go down the hills that I was running, but it just like moving my ankle towards that same motion that I rolled it in. There's still just a little bit of pain there. And so I told myself, well, the next day I'll just run on the treadmill. And so I did two miles the next day on the treadmill and that felt a lot better but there's still just a, a little bit of pain there. I'm, I'm thinking I, I probably got like a partial tear in a ligament. And uh, it's just going to take a while for it to uh, heal up totally. So I'm just going to take it easy and not rush this, you know. My next race is going to be Palmerton, but I might end up just having to just have a fun lap there, you know. Just kind of walk it and power hike, you know. I, I, I know it's a month away, but... I'm just not really sure if I'm going to be able to try to run. I might be able to run where it's runnable and there's no like super technical stuff, you know, but a lot's happened in a month. I went from hobbling around, barely walking a month ago to I'm just now getting back into some slow running. So maybe another month from now, I'll be a lot better. And that's what I'm hoping for. Fingers crossed. But anyway, guys, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, hopefully I'll see you all in Palmerton.